Episode 115 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the Jamaican-British singer Marcia Barrett, who's one of the original members of the Euro-Caribbean pop group Boney M. Created by the German record producer Frank Farian, Boney M also most famously comprised Bobby Farrell, Maisie Williams and Liz Mitchell with whom Marcia shared lead vocals on worldwide hits such as Daddy Cool, Ma Baker and Rasputin. She also sung the lead on Belfast, a song she had performed in her previous solo career. This interview with the fun and feisty Marcia took place in late 2008. Well, Marcia, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because it's 30 years since Mary's Boy Child was number one in the UK at Christmas time. Yes. Um, what are your memories of that and that song? Hmm. A very nice memory, actually. It was fantastic, and it, is, it still is really a, a nice feeling to know that that record did do well at that time, you know? And years after, in different countries, people still are playing Mary's Boy Child. And I feel very, very proud. And, um, yeah, what can I say? I feel very proud about it. Was it a big deal to you that it made the Christmas number one in the UK? Yes, yes, because UK is UK, isn't it? UK, you know, I mean, it's a very hard market <laughs> to challenge because even whilst we were riding in the charts with the different songs like Daddy Cool and so forth, UK only bit on a couple of years later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, it was very good to know that um, Mary's Boy Child did do well at that time in Britain. Yeah. How would you celebrate as a group in those days when you got a number one record somewhere important like the UK? We, <laughs> we lapped it up, I mean, in the sense of um, rejoicing, and at the same time, we're also still very busy to even uh, digest it 100%. If you'd go to some country and you'll hear this playing of the radio saying, oh, oh, really? You know, you, you, you realize it by hearing these numbers on, 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 on the radio. And then uh, you say, okay, oh, very nice, isn't it? <laughs> like going back to um, the uh, Babylon and Brown Girl in the Ring situation. When Babylon was eight weeks in the charts in the UK and uh, I was in Jamaica with my family, all of a sudden I heard that Brown Girl in the Ring was number two. I said, well, how could Brown Girl in the Ring be number two and Babylon was just number one for eight weeks? Uh, well, it flipped over. So things like this is really highlights of, of my career, you know? Yeah. And mm. um, Mary's Boy Child was obviously originally Harry Belafonte's song. Um, yes, uh, quite a few people have covered Mary's Boy Child, but none really ever made it that big as we have had, you know? Did you ever hear from Harry Belafonte as to what he thought of the Boney M version? No. Have you heard anything? No, no. I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he was impressed. That was a lovely version. Yeah, you know, it, it is. But I'm saying a lot of people have covered Mary's Boy Child. I think Johnny Mathis sang it. Oh, quite a few people did. But I didn't hear what he had to say about it. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard, you know, you just carry on to what you're doing. <laughs> and every Christmas, wherever you are in the yes. world, do you hear that song being played in shops and things? Yes, yes. You know, I was living in Florida for quite, quite a while. Florida is very boring for an artist, <laughs> hmm. especially when one is not really established in America because we weren't promoted there 
uh, for some reason at that time. And I would go into the supermarket, Winn-Dixie or wherever, and um, you hear Mary's Watchild. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness, this is being played here in America. We weren't even established here. So th- th- this is a fantastic feeling, you know, like different radio station would pick it up and would play. And then here's Boney, and they say, Boney M. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, wow, here I am, you know, in, 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 in Florida, hearing Mary's Borchal on the radio, you know, or a German station would pick it up and play and everything. So it, it, it is a lovely feeling, you know, hearing this. Do you get asked to sing it a lot at this time of year? Well, this time of year, um, we're performing, and you have to ha- add that song in the repertoire. No getting away from that. <laughs> like, no getting away from any of the Boney M hits, you know. No, you can't get away with that, especially at Christmas time. Even if it's after Christmas, before the new year, then you really have to um, put Mary's Boy Child in the repertoire. Well, you have to sing it any time of the year, I should imagine, because it was such a big hit. <laughs> I know, but, but when it's not Christmas season, the festive season, you feel strange singing it, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's like any other hit. Like the other day, I, we did a live performance in Delhi, and, you know, I got the repertoire ready and everything. I also mixed some of my solo, solo songs in the repertoire. And after a while, this guy said to me, but you didn't sing Rasputin. I said, oh, dear. Oh, uh, I'm so sorry. But next time, I didn't even realize that I didn't put Rasputin in the repertoire. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just one of those things, you know. Hmm. And um, I'm always confused as to what Boney M is these days, because the lineup has changed so much over the years. Let me tell you something. I'm also very, very confused and disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Oh, how strange, you know, I mean, this, uh, we worked so hard, um, Liz, Maisie, Bobby and myself, um, only Liz and I in studio, I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I did know that, yeah. Well, I was battling for my life for, for around about 12 years. And um, whilst being away off the scene in Florida, all these Boneyams uh, developed, developed out of, I don't know, and, and agents are booking these people. And I'm wondering, oh, really? Because... When Bonnie was suspended in 1990, Frank Farian stopped producing after 10 years, and then Liz left after two years, and then we continued, Maisie, Bobby, and I continued with Madeline Davis. I really thought, okay, let, let, let's go on. But after a while with this Everybody Wants to Dance Like Josephine Baker, the recording of that, I don't know if you knew about that, Farian decided to take it off the shelves. And so I said to myself, well, what's the use? I'm a recording artist. If I can't record something under the name Bonnie M., why bother? Let me do my own thing. Because I was a soloist prior to Boney M. Only in Germany. Five years, you know, I was the only one who had a, 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 a career within the Boney M formation. So I was in Florida and I, I even forgot. I thought, well, well, let me try record labels here with my own thing. Because Marcus and I, my husband and I, we were who's the ex-basis of Eddie Grant, was uh, already writing together. In fact, Marcus started to write for me because I had no time whilst uh, being in the, in the group. And I thought to myself, I have totally forgot most of the songs <laughs> because I had no intention to carry on singing them. And little did I know, with all these so-called bony M's out there, I came back after my paralyzation from the waist down. I decided, I said, you know what, Marcus? Let's go back to Europe because nothing here, nothing is happening. We were in like a golden cage. 
beautiful property on the water, intracoastal Atlantic uh, waterfront property, um, but nothing was happening. And I was longing, I, you know, I had this urge to be on stage and to continue to do what I was doing. Then um, I said, well, a Boneyam, I just sort of form a Boneyam member. But, you know, after a while, I thought to myself, if there are so many false Boneyams out there, why don't I just go back and continue to do what I did in studio yeah. and to perform globally with my other colleagues? But I am the last one, actually. I'm the last member of the four, four of us, that have formed my own Boney M Trooper. Right. <laughs> and it's happening so nicely because people are actually asking the bookings for Marcia Barrett's Boney M because wherever we go that they want to book me back with the show. Maybe in a way it's good that something like that happened, that false ones were out there and carrying on the name that people wouldn't forget. <laughs> How many false Boney M's are there? How many have there been at their worst? I've checked so far. I, I think there could be about ten. Really? Yeah, there could be about ten, because even when Maisie, Bobby, Liz and myself were together, there were a couple of false ones in Spain. Uh, were they claiming to be you as yes, well? Yes, most oh. definitely so. And the agents are booking these people because they're cheap. It's very sad that they are allowed to do this because they don't really know the history of Boney M. We were an elegant group. We always looked good, you know, and um, projected our or, or, or ourselves in a uh, classy manner. And um, people are out there not even sounding like us because Boney M is pop, straight pop. And if somebody comes up and they're singing gospel or R&B or something, it's not the same blend as to what we did in studio, Liz and I and Frank Farian. You see? Yep. So what are Liz, Maisie and Bobby doing now? They have their own Boneyams. They were out there before me. I just started two and a half years ago. So, so those three have each have one? Each have one. Why don't you all just form the same group? Well, I would like to do that. Maybe it's near, near that time now. Because I was so far away and being so ill, hmm. maybe everybody forgot that I was <laughs> a vital member of the group. <laughs> <laughs> but the other three aren't all in one group, so why are No, they, are all, they have all their separate groups. Is that because of differences, because of arguments? No, we haven't had any arguments. That's also a, a myth that we couldn't get along together, hmm. which was not, is not a fact. The thing is, Frank Farian decided not to produce anymore after 10 years. And then Liz was with us. We had a show in a reunion island uh, back then. And she decided not to turn up because, you, you know, Liz uh, always wanted to be the, the leader. And it cannot happen because, <laughs> because I'm a leader too. Yeah. Well, you got Liz in the group in the first place, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah. But even Liz won't even admit it today. So, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter. I love her. I love her. And I respect what she did with me together there and uh, all along these years, producing the sound and being... Uh, we have never really had any quarrels. It's strange. It is. Are you still in touch with the... Are, are all four of you still in touch with each other? Yes. You see, um, I saw Liz last year and I saw Liz... The September before, when uh, Daddy Cool, the musical, was yeah. uh, the premiere. And when I saw Liz, it was as if we came off stage together, mm. you know. And the same thing here in Berlin. This year, I saw Liz again. And we talked and so forth. And it was just as if we were 
still together on stage. So don't you talk to her and say, look, we get on so well, why don't we just get together again? Well, I have done so in the past, but um, she, somehow she had something against working with Maisie. <laughs> I don't know uh, why. Right. <laughs> Maybe she feels... You see, a, a lot of people take things different in different ways. Because Maisie wasn't in studio, Maybe Liz is taking it a little bit heavy. Mm. <laughs> That's what I would say from a, from a personal point of view. As for Bobby, I spoke to him a couple of years ago. But for the past couple of years, we haven't spoken. But I know he's, he's in Holland and he's very, very busy. In fact, when he can't do the jobs, he gives it to Maisie. You know, when he can't uh, fulfill it, because sometimes with his health, it's not so good. So he, he gives the jobs to Maisie. So who's actually got the name Boney M? Or do you have to each call it Liz Mitchell's Boney M, Marcia Barrett's Boney M? Maisie no, Lee? well, you see, that part of it was never explained to me, and I'm not really interested. All I know that I'm Marcia Barrett of Boney M. And <laughs> nobody can really sue me for that, because that's what I am. And do you have another lady on stage with you and two I blokes? I have two other ladies. Two oh, yes. Yeah. I have my, my backup. I have about six ladies who can't make it. Uh, I asked the other two, and they have to study exactly how it was put down in the studio. And if someone says to you, who was the lead singer of Boney M, do you say myself, or do you say Liz, or do you say we were both lead singers? We were both lead singers, that's right. a fact. We were both lead. I had leads. She had a little bit more leads than me, but the sound of Boney M, I'm on every recording, you see. Yeah, the, the sound, don't forget, Boney M is actually... I was the first lead singer in Boney M because I sang the title track, Take the Heat of Me. Yes. <laughs> so to actually cut me out because I don't have as many leads as Liz, it doesn't make any sense because oh. my voice is the penetrant sound of Boney M, you see? That's what people are realizing right now. Because don't forget, when, when Farron started stuff, he didn't even mention our names. He just said, Boney M. It's only of late that people are realizing or knowing the names of each individual, you see, which is, um, I don't know if it's a disadvantage or an advantage, but right now it's really to tell people, now listen, I've worked damn hard for this and I'm not going to give up and I'm going to be a part of it until it's over. It will never be over because it's timeless sound. You know, three, three decades now, uh, even the little kids are singing the songs because the parents were and are still fans. And they said, oh, this is what I was listening to in the 70s or the 80s. Do you like it? And the kids go, you, that's nice. Who are they? And, you know, and the parents tell them about it. So, I mean, it's history. And it will always stay there because we've broken records in the history book. Do you think Liz was always uncomfortable with the fact that you had so much of the lead vocals? Do you think she wanted it all to herself? Well, maybe she did. I haven't asked her because it was really important to me. Liz comes somewhat insecure at times, you see. And I love her and I really like her as a person and so forth. But if she's feeling insecure, which is unnecessary, very unnecessary, I'll just go on with what I have to do. Right. I have never, I have never questioned Frank Farian why I'm, I'm singing a song that I would re really have loved to have done lead on. You know, anybody can ask Frank Farian. I've never said to him, well, why didn't you give me the lead on that? Because that's my, I'm a rocker, you mm. see. That's my forte. Why haven't you given me that? I've never approached him with that or the record label. I just go into studio and what I'm given to do, I have done. One of the songs you did lead on was Belfast. Yeah. Um, 
I can never understand why Boney M, a group from Germany, would do a song called Belfast. Can you explain? Well, I'll tell you why. Listen to this. It was my repertoire. Boney M started on my repertoire because yes. I was, as I told you, I was uh, five years uh, successful in Germany prior to the formation of Boney M. So that song was written for me by Joe Menke and Travi Deutscher. Both mm -hmm. men are unfortunately deceased now. So Joe Menke had the studio in Hamburg Maschen. Joe Menke believed in me, and he said, oh boy, maybe we should write something about Ireland and what's happening there and so forth. It was going to be London Dairy, and, but it didn't rhyme or it didn't make, you know, it wasn't as easy to sing the riff right. London Dairy than Belfast. So these two gentlemen wrote the song Belfast for me. When Boniam had the first hit, Daddy Cool, nobody had any repertoire but Marcia Barrett. So my repertoire that I was using prior to that, we would use for Boney M, Boney M shows. And the roadie, Jürgen Brechelschmidt, then went and told Frank Farian that it tore the house every night when we sang Belfast. And Frank Farian decided, oh, okay, I'll re-record it for Boney M. And that's why did Belfast they... became a song for Boney M. Well, why did they want to write a song about Northern Ireland? Well, the thing is, they thought it was a good idea for me to sing that song before Bodium existed. And then when they heard it was going down so well in the discotheques, you know, he decided that he wanted a piece of this pie. So he decided, let me re-record it for Bodium. M. And there you go. We couldn't, it wasn't even played on the radio. When we went to Ireland to do Dublin to do a show, uh, we were a little bit skeptical, but when they heard the first two couple of bars, he was a standing ovation. It's very strange. It's exactly like Rasputin. When we went to Russia, we didn't sing Rasputin. But every band in Russia is playing Rasputin. And the Russians love Rasputin. Like the Irish people love our Belfast. It's, it's amazing. And then he got in the charts at number eight without one record of airplay. Did the people of Belfast itself like the song? Because it's Yes, I told you we had standing ovation. Yeah, that was in Dublin, it. I thought. So, yeah. But yes. But, I mean, it's obviously a very troubled part of the world at the I time. Know. Um, I know. Did you but have any criticism from anybody for doing a song about that part of the world in such a simplistic Not, not really. Not really. Because it, the way it was written was very indirectly. So I would say that Belfast was written very indirectly. It's not saying, okay, people from Ireland against blah, 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 blah. When the children believe in, believe in, it's a country that's changing, and it goes like that. And when the children believe in, then the people, the people, because if you listen to the lyrics, it's like for the whole world, entire world, but it attacked the issue uh, there. So it's, it's not like you're singing against the people of Ireland or whatever or so forth. Hmm. We're just telling people they should get together, you know, and that's how I see it as the imp interpreter of this song. And have you had a lot of letters and, and messages from people from Belfast to say thank you for singing that song? It no, I haven't of... had a thank you, but I oh. have a lot of fans from, from Ireland. Yeah, That's and cool. they can't wait for me to come back to Ireland to, to do a performance. What have been your most memorable performances in the UK? Have you uh, performed for the Queen, for, yes. for famous Wembley. fans? Mm -hmm. To perform for the, Her Majesty, it, it was really, really, really an experience. And I feel very proud about that. Did you meet her afterwards? Oh, yes, yes, yes. There again, <laughs> you know the lineup afterwards when she shakes everybody's hand. I do. Yeah. Well, um, we were briefed prior to the 
appearance that we shouldn't uh, discuss directly to Her Majesty. We should just bow and just answer what she's asked, you know. And uh, during the lineup, Yul Brynner was there and some other people from America and so forth. We were lining up and so forth. Liz was standing on my left. I think Maisie was standing on my right and then Bobby first. Bobby, mm-hmm. Maisie, myself and so forth. She shook Bobby's hand two, two faces back and she shook Maisie's hand and then she shook my hand took two faces back and she shook Liz's hand and took two paces back. And then she stood up where she was with her hands still clutched in her bag and said, well, are you performing here? And all of a sudden, Liz went, justificating we were told not to justificate just for you ma'am well when it came on times news at 10 o'clock the evening and i'm excited with my family to sit down there and see that we were there and you know and we had mm. performed for her majesty by the time they reached boniem it was clipped out oh yes you must have a photograph well we have several photographs but mm. the photograph that was projected it sounded as if it was only Liz's hand the Queen shook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she liked that, but you weren't very happy. No, well, I knew what, exactly what happened there, and nobody can tell me that I'm, it's a, I'm, I'm lying, because I'm, I'm a liberal, I just tell how I feel. <laughs> Straightforward. So that uh, piece out of the news, yeah. they did not show it. Thames Television did not show news at 10 yeah. when the Queen shook Boney M's hands. And that was all because Liz justificated and said, just for you, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody has heard the story. I think you're the first one I'm, I'm going to tell uh, within the media. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, I mean... That was the Royal Variety performance, was it? Yes. Right, at the London Palladium or something. Yes, yeah. yes, it was. No, it was Jury Lane Theatre. Oh, okay. Julian Theatre, because the acoustic was so well, so good there, that I went back with my solo show and uh, presented that uh, in 1981 with, uh, with the band and didn't even have enough songs. I just covered tracks like Hey Joe from Jimi Hendrix, All Along the Wash Tower, mm-hmm. and, and, and songs like that. It was a fantastic show, mm. even though I was so busy with Boney, but I still wanted to pursue my solo career. Have you ever been tempted to go and see the others' version of Boney M and go and sit in the audience. But and I see have it. seen, I, uh, not in the audience, but I have seen tapes, uh, right. I've seen videotapes, and I'm very disappointed. <clears throat> um, Why? I, well, it's not what I would do. Right. <laughs> uh, I hear that Liz is beginning with Amazing Grace a cappella. That's not Boney M. You know, Amazing Grace a cappella, and then afterwards, clap, clap, clap. I have seen photos of Bobby's, I've seen videos of Bobby, but my fans are sending me these things whilst I was in Florida. And I have seen Maisie's show in Hanover. Uh, she invited me down and I went and I sat in the audience. And that's not how I would do it, you know, so it's as simple as that. Is it you that sings at the beginning of Mar Baker, you say, freeze, I'm Mar Baker? Is no, that... no, no, oh. that's an American woman. I don't even know who Frank Farian got. Freeze, I'm Mar Baker. That's an American accent, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> With my British, uh, Jamaican-British accent, <laughs> I wouldn't sound like that <laughs> unless I studied it. No, I don't even know who did that, oh. you know, because uh, we come into studio, we just do vocals. We, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. Whatever idea. No, no, it was me at all. And what, uh, did you, what did you think of the Daddy Cool musical that opened in London a couple of years ago? What did you well, think? I quite liked it, but um, I don't think 
that Farian went about it the right way. How do you mean? I mean that he didn't invite all four of us originals. To be, to be in the show? To be in the... No, we don't have to be in the show. To be at each premiere. Right. That at the end of it, instead of getting four people dressed up like us in our old costumes, or costumes made like our old costumes, he should actually have the decency and respect to say, well, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight are Boney M. And we would walk on stage, and I tell you what, that musical would have been a hit. Because... The fans are out there. Okay, in, in London, Liz and I went on stage and they, we had standing ovation. But mm-hmm. it was not the same because Bobby and Maisie was not there. But he is a, he's a type of man. He thinks that he alone could have run this musical, which is not so because mm. he is not Boney M. Mm. <laughs> he's only the producer of mm. the music. I take it you're not in speaking terms with him these days. Well, I don't have to, you know. He's not sending me my royalties. Are you going to sue him for that? For no, it? I have no energy for that. What I've been through with my health, and I have really asked God to save me to go back on stage and do what I do best. And that was a many, many years it took out of my career. Twelve mm. years. First, breast cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, 94, breast cancer, 98, 2003, breast cancer and, and, and spinal cord. And now I can stand on stage and do what I do best and what I enjoy. Plus, my husband is on stage with me, a seasoned musician who have nursed me all these years. I have no time for Frank Farian. I have no time for Frank Farian. I would rather put that energy in touring, let people see me, let people realize that I'm back on the scene, let them know my voice is still there, or even better so, you know. So I leave Frank Farian up to God. Okay. The show, uh, Daddy Cool, didn't last very long. Um, no, it didn't, did it? How long was it in England? Ten uh, months? Yes, almost Something a year, like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of it when you saw it? And uh, why do you think it closed early, apart from the fact that you would like to have been involved more for the premiere? Yeah. Uh, well, I think he... Farian, you know, because he put it on. It's his idea to put a musical on. I think he lacked experience in putting on a musical. Yes, I do really think that. Uh, mm. But I, I did enjoy the musical, and I felt really, really honoured to sit there and watch people interpreting my work. Mm-hmm. It, I must say, it's a fantastic feeling. But I still think that Farian lacks experience in putting on musicals. What would you have done differently, then? What, I, what would I do? I don't have the experience either. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't have the experience. I've never even thought to put on a musical, so I really myself don't have the experience either. Is it running anywhere else now, or did it close? Not that I, well, it, it was in Berlin for 10 weeks, and then afterwards it just uh, vanished, mm. and now I hear it's going to be in Scandinavian countries. And you know what? To tell you God's route, I'm not really keen to know what's happening. I'm too busy. Um, Maybe he should ask ABBA. <laughs> well, yes, uh, the ABBA musical, of course, has Maybe been... Maybe he should really ask, uh, you know, Ben and those guys, how do you go about this? How, how do you make it so successful after so many years? <laughs> but he's a man, I don't think he, he likes to take any advice from anybody. He thinks because he's got all this money, he can do everything himself. Would you like there to be a movie of it, though, like the Mamma Mia movie? has been a great that success. That wouldn't be a bad idea, but who's going to do this? I mean, Farian, Farian is really... Um, how could I describe him? <coughs> it's like um, he is venturing. Ah, he's a venturer. Right. Let's say that. That um, 
he thinks anything he puts <coughs> his hand to, because it happened to him once with Boniem and halfway with Milli Vanilli, he thinks anything he puts his hand to, he can make it happen. And this is where I see him as, a, you know, really naive when it comes to that, because you have to have skilled people in that branch, especially in show business, to say, well, do it like that, or do it like that, or do it like that. Right. I heard even he took all of the seats from Jury Lane Theatre and had them repaired in Germany, because the theatre wasn't up to scratch, and brought them back to England. <laughs> yeah, very strange. That's the type of thing that Frank Farian does. Mm-hmm. And what, what chance do you think of there ever being a reunion of uh, all four of you original members? You know, it shouldn't be that difficult. It shouldn't be. Because we didn't quarrel with each other or anything, but it's just that somebody approaching. The fans are out there waiting uh, because it's magic. Four of us are really magic. I know that ABBA have been offered millions to reform. Yes, I, but you see, they can afford it. They can say, I don't want to do it because mm. I am already rich. Yeah. And none of money members can say that. You know what I'm saying? It's a different thing. You're not a millionaire, Marcia? No, dear, I'm not a millionaire. And <laughs> maybe I was once, but I'm not. Because if I had gotten all my royalties, I would have been probably a billionaire now. <laughs> a billionaire, goodness. But, but my dear, as it goes, I, didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I can say I'm satisfied with, with the handouts mm. that I have had from... BMG or from Hansa record label, I don't know, whatever, for my work. So I'm still here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I came back on the scene and now I have to do my shows and do my personal management and so forth and so forth. And I'm getting on with it, you know. So where do you mainly live now? In Germany? Yeah, I live now in Berlin. I love Germany. Right. So I have a little soft spot for Germany because that's where I started. They gave me the chance. It's like the Beatles started in Hamburg. I started in Hamburg, Harburg. Right. And the people are very tolerant here. Uh, if you have talent, they say, oh, oh, oh. Uh, back then it was Marcia Oz Jamaica, the Feuerwerk, firework from Jamaica. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I made my little way and I have a little soft spot for Germany. Do you, you still know? have family in Jamaica? Yes, I have brother, sister, whatever. And how do you feel when you look back at footage and, and film and uh, photographs of yourself when you were a youngster in Boney M? I feel very good because I don't look much different mm. <laughs> from then. So I think I have a sort of a gift that I'm looking... Some people would say I'm, I'm 35, 40. I wear my age well, and I'm very proud about that. Well. So it must be the good Clarence creams I'm using on my <laughs> face, on my neck. <laughs> you think They're you, not cheap, you know. <laughs> do you think you'll always live in Germany now, or might you come and live in England again? You know, I would never say never, but right now it's easier. I don't think uh, British people would give me that chance that the Germans are giving me. You, you know, it's a little li- more harder market. I pick up the sense, because when we had our hits, like four hits, it was the latter part of the hits that England really picked up. Mm. <laughs> and by that time, the rest of the world accepted us already and so forth, so you had to prove. It's a very hard market, you know, that British market. Yeah, but all the old English rockers are coming to Germany. Every time you, you, you turn the TV on, you'll see Shuwadi Wadi, you'll see Sweet, you'll see everybody's active in Germany. Who are you still friends with from the, you know, the pop world? Well, you know, I haven't really had a uh, connection of such with any one artist that we've worked with on TV. Because I'm not the type of person, if we, if we meet up like with ABBA and we do a TV show, I'm going to say, oh, can we exchange addresses or so forth? 
you know, Michael Jackson, when he was, uh, when he just started as Michael, we flew on the same plane and, and so forth to Bremen, to, Bremen mm. to do the, the TV show. And I am not that, I just, if it happens, if it happens that I uh, get a chance to exchange addresses, then, you know, it will have to flow. And not as if, oh, well, I've got this one card. I'm not a, I'm not a freak <laughs> in such way, you know. I must tell you this. I was very much influenced by Shirley Bassey. Very much influenced by Shirley Bassey. And um, when I just got out of hospital, uh, she was in Miami in the Jack and Gleason Theater. And uh, I said to Marcus, Marcus, we have to go and see her. I have to meet her. I have to meet her. Because she's such a phenomenal singer and and uh, and uh, stayed in you know in the with her business for so many years and she's really really one of my idols. Sorry. So of course I I was just coming out of the hospital and still weak and all that. <laughs> bought a lovely bouquet of flowers for her oh. and uh, contacted the agent in Palm Beach mm-hmm. and told them who I was and. The manager got a chauffeur in a limousine, mm-hmm. drove Marcus and I from Palm Beach to Miami, which is two hours drive, mm-hmm. and waited for her after the show. Mm-hmm. And would you believe it? She snobbed me. Oh, no. Yes. She was signing some autographs in the back, and the tour bus was out there with fumes. I shouldn't even be in, inhaling fumes in my throat. And I saw that she wasn't paying me any attention. So um, I said to her, hello, Miss Bassey. Could you say that? I've waited for so many years. You know when you see yeah, your, yeah. your idol. I've waited for so many years to meet you and so forth. And then she, she said, well, and she was, you know. So I said, um, have you heard of the group Boney M? So she said, yeah. I said, well, I'm Marcia Barrett of Boney M. And she said, are you really? And then she continued signing, <laughs> signing the autographs. And that was that. Nothing more for Miss Bessie. Nothing more from Miss Bessie. Marco said, I am not going to play any Shirley Bassey record in this. Not what she did to you. Oh. <laughs> so I'm saying to Marcus, please, could I just listen to one of the uh, uh, tracks? He said, no, I'm not going to play it. You can play it when you're on your own. And that is, we are never, um, I'm never on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, the type of thing that um, you, you, you experience. And who else have you met over the years that you really liked? Abba was different. We did a TV show together uh, up in the mountains in Switzerland. They were so nice and, yeah. you know. And, and so forth. I've had some nice experience with, for example, Kiss. And, Martin. of course, Michael was also very nice, uh, you know, very humble. Michael Jackson and, of course, Eddie Grant is, is like, his feet are on the ground, that Eddie Grant. <laughs> his feet are on the ground or else, he, you know, he wouldn't have picked up the offer to record stuff with me whilst he was, even though Bonnie was big then, but still, mm. he is a very natural man. Wycliffe was also very nice. First time I met him the other day. Do you think you've been given the credit that you deserve? Uh, I cannot complain. I mean, maybe from certain people, but I know what the problem is. I, I know that people often think they, they can't give a compliment or they'd rather try to sit on top of your head if mm. they can't. But nobody can achieve that with me because I am actually a fighter. Have the illnesses been a big drain on you? Oh, yes, it has been a big drain. I would, I would be uh, conceited not to say that, that mm. um, whilst I was ill... I wasn't, fe- I wasn't suffering financially, you see. Were because you I wasn't getting anything. I didn't get any help from Frank Farian. And uh, not having had insurance and so forth, you have to pay all these bills and so forth. So it was draining. But um, here I am. 
Yeah, that's I'm the hardest working woman in show business. Yeah. <laughs> I do everything myself because I've tried some managers and I have to manage them. So <laughs> I think to myself, well, why don't you do it yourself? You're, you're well equipped with your brains, you know, because you listened at school and I can form a letter, you know, and, and I've learned over the years uh, uh, the business, you know, the business side of the business, you know. I'm not saying it's my favorite side of it. I prefer to be on stage. But if nobody can do it out there for me, why don't I do it myself? And this is where I am right now. So when are you performing in the UK again? Are you going to come here and do a concert soon? Well, I'd love to, when when the agents offer, if these false boniums are not taking up my space. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) You know, they've got to know that um, here's a real live, vital input of the sound of Boniem. So even though the, other, the, the others are cheaper and so forth, they would rather that. But it's not the same sound, you see. It occurred uh, to me that your initials in reverse are MB, but BM, Boniem, isn't it? Isn't that something yeah. else? Well, yeah. it's good that you said that. I mean, I'm, I feel very, <laughs> the MB and the BM, Boniem, yeah. But you could no. do a nice little logo, couldn't you, with BM, MB, you know? I think yeah, something like that. Let yeah. me think about it. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll take 10%, please. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Your story is so amazing. They should yes. do a film about your life. Do you That's think- what I'm saying. I've yeah. said it all the time, that my story is like a fairy tale. It is. Do you th- who do you think should play you, then? Oh, why can't I play myself? Well, <laughs> probably not your younger self, although ah. I know you look, oh, you look very young. Oh, I see what you mean. Halle Berry. Halle Berry, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Angela Bassett. Oh, yes, good one. These yeah. lovely black actresses that, yeah. oh, my God, uh, but they are so talented. Catty Bates. I'm a Catty Bates. <laughs> Were you ever offered any acting roles? No, but I, 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 I was, I'm offered one now, but it's not really acting. It's like singing a title track for an Indian film. Okay. So we're working on that right now, and I find that fantastic that it, with the video and everything, will be, you know, done there and so forth. But let's see if they will comply with the, with the clauses of the contract. Yeah. People are coming to me, approaching me for stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. How would you like people to remember you after you've left this planet? I would like people to remember me as this very, very down-to-earth woman who did her job well and who respect an, another human being, no matter what they do, you know, and um, a very peaceful woman. <laughs>